Hi, it's Corey Chambers in Los Angeles. Your home sold, guaranteed, or I'll buy it. This uh, it's a nice, beautiful, sunny day, beginning of March. And uh, if you see any properties that are of interest to you, let us know. We will gladly send you a property information packet on any loft, condo, or home. If you have a home you'd like to sell, you should know that I will guarantee the sale of your present home at a price acceptable to you, or I'll buy it for cash. This will allow you to buy your next home without worrying about selling your present home. And also, um, so this topic is rich mom, poor mom. And so it's based on a part of my own life, and it's also based on books by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So the reason why we're doing Rich Mom, Poor Mom is because Robert Kiyosaki is one of the best sort of examples of someone who could have gone either, let's say, middle class or very wealthy based on his uh, circumstances and the people that he was exposed to for long periods of time, large amounts of time. And so that's why me and my life, uh, the people that I was exposed to for a lot of time, for Robert Kiyosaki, it was his, his poor dad was his, was his biological father, um, was not exactly poor, but compared to the rich dad, you could, I guess you'd call him poor to, to contrast them. While the rich dad was very rich and who, who was an entrepreneur type, uh, whereas his biological father was just a uh, more of a middle of the road, successful, but a um, you know an, ed- an educator who with a uh, middle middle class income. Uh, he might have even been upper middle class, but he was a middle class. Whereas the uh, the rich dad was actually his his close friend's dad, who who he spent a tremendous amount of time with, and who influenced him greatly uh, because he wanted to be rich like his his rich dad, and so he modeled himself after his rich dad rather than his poor dad, and it worked for him to model himself after the rich dad. So for me, it's, it's similar. My biological mother is the, the poor mom, uh, not terribly poor, but there has been more than one time in her life where she was uh, a, a little on the poor side. In fact, we were on welfare for a year or two during my childhood, getting us food stamps uh, part of the time. But we were also rich uh, for a portion of time and middle class most of the time. So I was really able to uh, compare them. And then my my rich mom would be my stepmother, and uh, who was more wealthy. She was never super wealthy. She was uh, still middle class, I would say. But still, we got to compare them. Uh, My biological mom who was more or less lower middle class you know a a big portion of the time versus my 
stepmother and then later on my ex-stepmother who, who was upper middle class for most of the time. So, you know, they had at least double, triple, quadruple the income of my poor mom. So four times the income, that's, that's enough to call it uh, rich versus poor. Um, might have even been six times the income. And being that they were moms, their husbands were part of the. Uh, they were part of the equation as well. You know, how well off were their husbands? Because they were both, they both worked uh, a big percentage of the time, and were able to support themselves most of the time. But they also were uh, partially reliant, and certainly affected by their husbands' income. So that's what we're going to uh, talk about. And, and how did they influence me? Um, because I'm, you know, as I mentioned, my life, uh, childhood and adulthood, have both kind of bounced back and forth between the lower middle class and upper middle class, basically struggling financially and not struggling financially. And... Uh, being a real estate agent, that career is known for feast or famine, and I have not, so far, I have not succeeded in, I have succeeded in being a successful real estate agent, but have not reached the next level of becoming um, uh, a real estate agent who never has these down times. All real estate agents and businesses are going to have times where they have to contract, so we're not we're not ever going to reach a point where we never have to adjust the business for the for the economy. Um, but we do want to get to the point to where we have, and I sort of have reached that, but just not to the level that I want. Uh, I have reached the point where I've had enough investments to make up for periods of. Um, of not enough sales, but not to the level that I, where I want it to be. Uh, the goal is to, uh, everybody really should have $20 million in at least a million dollars of cash and at least $20 million of assets. So that's the standard being in Los Angeles. If you're in Los Angeles or New York, or another major city that is uh, relatively expensive, that's the dollar amount. If you're in a, in a much cheaper place, like where Aunt Barbara lives in upstate New York, and you love it there, you don't need a million in cash and 20 million in assets, but you probably do need more than what you think you do if you wanna be financially independent and be able to do what you want when you want and go where you want, when you want. So if you're in a cheaper area like uh, Aunt Barbara, I would say that um, you still need at least um, 100000 of cash and $2 million of assets. Um, with what, if you want to be really financially independent um, 
that would be the bare minimum for the if you live in the cheapest place in, in the United States would be the hundred thousand cash plus two million of assets. So getting back to the rich mom, poor mom, I've mentioned somewhat how they affected me, but let's get into more details. My biological mother was um I would I would not say that she had a hundred percent she did not have a hundred percent poverty mindset. I would say that my stepmother had mostly a wealthy mindset. She grew up in a poor town. She grew up much more poor compared to my um my poor mom. So basically the rich mom grew up poor and the poor mom grew up middle class. Uh, so basically the, uh, the rich mom who grew up poor, but she grew up with a mindset that she was going to escape poverty and find wealth, period. End of discussion. So she uh, used the resources that she had, which coming from a poor town, the resources that she had was basically hard work and determination. She did have looks and brains and skills. So she put all of them into use and uh, she was able to um, eventually end up uh, just using a house and car, for example. She had a she did end up with a house worth over a million dollars and a car worth a hundred thousand dollars. So, relatively wealthy. It's upper middle class. And uh, being in southern, being in, in the greater Los Angeles area, that's really upper middle class. But compared to poor, you could you could say that she was rich. And then my biological mother, she herself never made more than about $25,000 a year. And uh, never lived in a house where, well, for a short time she and her husband, uh, who was kind of my rich dad, my stepdad Ricky, they had a beauty shop that they open together so my mother was sort of rich for a uh, relatively short period of time uh, about a year (laughs) Um, but then we were on welfare immediately after that because I got divorced and my mother was she was not the um, she was not the as wealth minded as my stepdad even though she helped lead him to a career of being a, not just a beautician, but of owning some successful uh, and profitable beauty shops. So he, at one point, owned at least two beauty shops that were successful. Um, I thought, I think he, he eventually got rid of the smaller one and just focused on the bigger one, but because he had this wealth mindset, he also came from a sort of um, 
not not poor, not middle class. It was a Tulsa, Oklahoma middle class. So it was uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1970 was not not exactly a boom town. It was uh, a town really to get away from. So he moved to the Los An- greater Los Angeles area. And so there, uh, when they opened uh, some beauty shops, he was able to open a beauty shop that made more money than average, recruit better hairdressers, and attract uh, high-paying customers. Uh, I remember Don, Sut- Don Sutton, one of the, I think he was a Dodger, one of the Dodgers, was one of the customers. So he did, he did well. Um, upper middle class, not, not wealthy, but relatively. He was able to buy a small ranch uh, and have horses and stuff, which are very expensive to, uh, to maintain horses in California, in Southern California. So um, I'll tell you a little bit when I would say was my richest but it was only for about a year. That's when my mother and stepfather worked together to start this very successful business that really used both of their talents. Um, I would say my mother was the one who was a bit self-defeating. My poor mom, my biological mom, uh, was a very loving mother. She didn't, she, she always encouraged me uh, that I could pretty much do anything, but she also had a little bit of a self-defeating poverty, a a small amount, and a small amount of uh, negativity that would pop up once in a while, and enough to hold her back. She could have been, she was very beautiful, my mother, she could have been a... um, movie star or something like that. She could have been easily a millionaire because she was particularly beautiful and she stayed very young looking until she was, you know, 40 to 50 years old. Um, so she could have been a, an actress easily. Um, but she just didn't have any interest in, in that. So she had a little bit of a, a lack of motivation. So, And so that's where I've learned that not only from her, but from other people who talk about success, the motivation, in, you could say, is the number one factor. That's why my rich mom became wealthy, relatively wealthy. That's why my biological mom was relatively unwealthy. The rich mom, poor mom. It was uh, because of motivation. I was able to observe that. Some people could observe motivation and really not recognize it because motivation is a little bit, it's, it's not tangible. It's, you got to pay close attention to recognize motivations. That's one of the biggest difficulties in understanding wealth. And one of the biggest limitations is being able to recognize that motivation because uh, there's, there's other things that go along with it, but motivation by me after 50, 40 to 50 years of studying this, 
that's the number one factor. Uh, because when you have the motivation and you have that strong motivation for a large amount of time, you are putting in all of the hard work and determination. And no, you don't get to eat any of the bones. Come on, I'm walking my dog as usual in Elysian Park near downtown Los Angeles. He wants to really take a look at these bones and probably try to eat one of them that are on the ground here in Elysian Park. So motivation. So I'm going to talk about more and more and more about motivation. In fact, my rich mom, she ended up marrying a motivational speaker. So I, didn't, I did not spend a tremendous amount of time with him, but I did spend a substantial amount of time with him. Uh, he was a guy. He's semi-famous. Okay. He was... Uh, getting ready to be a professional baseball player in the late 60s and was sent to Vietnam and he stepped on a mortar mine and it blew both of his legs off and he nearly died. He survived. And not only did he survive that, but because he was a highly motivated person with a very successful mindset and you could be very motivated and you could perhaps lack uh, the belief but those those go together you kind of have you have to have both you do have to have both the motivation and the positive mindset they go together they're they're a set of uh, beliefs uh, they go along with that saying that what you can believe, you can achieve. If you can believe it, you can achieve it. So, because I've met people who were seemingly ambitious, but they lacked the belief that they could actually achieve it, and those are the ones that did not. So, the motivation must include the belief in yourself and the belief uh, in that it can happen. My stepmother believed in herself. She was motiv highly motivated and she believed that she could have a uh, an upper class lifestyle in which she did. She achieved upper, very high upper middle class or um, type of lifestyle. So my mother was smart enough come here, and occasionally motivated, but she generally, she usually did not have any really substantial motivation. She was occasionally excited by a few things, a few aspects of wealth. That's and that's exactly why we were semi-wealthy or upper middle class for only one year because that's all that she had in her as far as believing what she could achieve. And that's why uh, she was not 100% content, satisfied, or um, 
that's the word I was going to use, believing uh, in her and being wealthy. At one point, we, when they had the beauty shop that was doing well for about a year, we moved from a small house into a relatively large house. It was a, a small mansion, I would say, just because it had the uh, amenities of a mansion. It had the um, swimming pool with slides. It had a tennis court, basketball courts, volleyball courts, a uh, big patio, big entertainment patio with a pool table, ping pong table, and an extra huge hot tub spa that was the size of a small pool. <laughs> um, and we had the new Mercedes and the Stutz Bearcat kind of show car. Um, but we, only, we had it for about only a year. And then they got divorced, and that divorce came out of really my mother's insecurities. Uh, being successful was not her number one goal. So being motivated means being very motivated. I mean, if you want, because being very wealthy or, uh, yeah, so being very wealthy involves being very motivated. You can't be slightly motivated. You can be, but it's unlikely. These are the rules there's exceptions to every rule, but the rule is still the rule. And most people need to follow the rule to achieve it. So the, achieve, the success that I've achieved, I've learned not only from my rich mom, poor mom, and other people that I've interacted with, but that's all been confirmed by the uh, listening to hundreds of people on YouTube and television and so forth who talk about their success and how they achieved it. How did they achieve hundreds of millions of dollars? How did they achieve billions of dollars? And so you're able to match it all up that way. Uh, so that's what it boils down to. Rich mom, poor mom... Uh, motivation. Well, motivation itself can be a whole nother discussion. How do you get motivation? Um, but that could be a pretty short discussion as well. So how do you get motivation? That's another thing I learned very recently. And it is connected to the other old saying. And that is, it's who you know who you hang out with. It turns out that who you know and who you hang out with has an extremely strong correlation to your wealth, health, and happiness, especially your career. And part of the reason is because your motivation, your level of motivation is extremely highly correlated to the people you hang out with and their motivation. In other words, how do you get motivated if you're not? How do you get more motivated if you are? By hanging out with the people who are highly motivated. We're lucky that in this age of the internet, 
even if you live in a poor neighborhood of Hyderabad, India, or a poor neighborhood in Africa or Central America, you can still hang out with the successful, wealthy, motivated people. So this is one of the biggest and most underrated um, resources of the year 2020. Now, millions and millions of people are coming out of poverty. They have been. And now, more than ever, millions and millions of people are going to be coming into wealth, going from poverty to middle class to wealth, sometimes going kind of straight from poverty to wealth because of this, being able to not only have access to all this information and learning, but being able to have access to the successful, motivated people. You can sit there now on YouTube and be with... It's not quite as good as being physically with them, but it's got some of the same benefits for free, free and easy. When you sit there and you listen to billionaires and multimillionaires speak with you and share their way of thinking for hours and hours, tens of hours, hundreds of hours, thousands of hours. I would say that if you're from a poor family or even a middle-class family like me, but they were only medium motivated at best, except for my rich mom, you could say that she was had above average motivation. So being able to get on the internet, get on YouTube, and listen to these uh, listen to these wealthy people for a thousand hours, that right there will sort of uh, cure you. <laughs> Come in. This way. That will sort of fix your motivation issue right there um, just by having that resource. In fact, uh, one 1,000 hours um, 1,000 hours <laughs> even 100 hours <laughs> for some people even an hour or two could make a huge impact on their motivation and their success. So, and I would say if you spend 100 hours to 1,000 or more of listening to multimillionaires and billionaires like I have, I've spent at least 30, 60, 90, at least 90 hours, probably a lot more than that. Let's say 100 or more that I've spent of listening to very successful, highly motivated, wealthy, to extremely wealthy individuals. Just yesterday I spent a good hour listening to Warren Buffett. 
Warren Buffett is in the top, I think he's in the top 10 richest people in the United States, I believe. So listening to him, although he spends a lot of time talking about fundamentals of stock market investing, which is a little bit different from where I, what I prefer to focus on. But nevertheless, that still counts as being highly effective in changing the way that we think. He is 100% effective in influencing the way we think about money. And this is where I wanted to start and, and end with. Because I was thinking about some of my poor friends that I've spent time with. And I would say that these are good people and well-meaning people. Uh, extra good, extra well-meaning, generous. And uh, they have been generally middle class, but sometimes struggling. I have one very close friend who has, at some points in his life, he's been uh, uh slightly better off financially than me and he was always very generous like when I was um, operating a very struggling business and being broke he would help me out in several different ways uh, now he's has more of a poor person's mentality he's working as a teacher like after not doing other things although I think he enjoys being a teacher um, but he has expressed to me that he believes that, uh, you know, the wealthy and the rich are basically um, greedy. <laughs> uh, and he, in several ways, has demonstrated a really lack of understanding of motivation. Um you can be greedy and wanting more than your fair share and not care if you're taking it from others in a way that's ethical and moral. But most people are who are motivated and successful, they are motivated by being either equal or or more giving to others but it's it's not about either of those it's not about being greedy and wanting more for yourself and it's not about just wanting to give and give and give economics money doesn't care about either of those as much as it cares about what attracts money. If you're the world's best thief and you want to just steal uh, with larceny or some other theft and you are the best, brightest uh, criminal you can get very wealthy and never get caught, never go to jail. 
and have great wealth. Money is not paying attention to how greedy or equal or giving that you are. Most people, of course, most of those criminals end up in jail for a long period of time. Most of them end up making less money. If they had applied the same intelligence to doing something that was uh, legal and they use the same intelligence and hard work and determination and motivation, then they would end up being uh, more wealthy than through crime. Because the system is set up that way. The system is set up to reward good behavior and to punish bad behavior. So that's the main reason. I mean, plus our genetics are set up that way. That the system and all the people in the system are going to be on your side for the most part when you're helping people. And the system and society are going to be wanting to really knock you down if you're doing things that are uh, against society, that are against helping people. And so the crux of motivation that we learn from multi-billionaires and that we learn from people like my friend longtime friend, my oldest friend, who is struggles to pay for diapers, struggles to pay the rent, struggles to pay the bills, struggles to pay to maintain the car, struggles to pay for anything. All the life's basics today are a struggle. Why? Because he is incorrect about wealth. Wealth doesn't care how nice you think you are. Wealth doesn't care how greedy or giving you think you are or anybody else's. Money, financial wealth, cares about what makes money. That's a whole other topic, what makes money, but I can tell you this. Investing has got to be near the top of the list of what makes money because what you invest your time in, what you invest your money in, what you invest anything in, that determines what your outcome, your results, and what your future is going to be. And all that comes from motivation in combination of having the right mindset, the right set of beliefs, and the right belief system. And if your belief system is not matching up with what makes wealth and other forms of success, spiritual, financial, and personal success, then you need to change your beliefs. You need to change your BS, your belief system, 
to a system that helps yourself, helps others, lifts everybody up simultaneously. And that in combination with a motivation is the secret to all forms of success. Thanks for listening. I'm Corey Chambers in Los Angeles. Your home sold guaranteed or I'll buy it. As I mentioned earlier, if there's any properties that are of interest to you, let us know. We will gladly send you a property information packet on any loft, condo, or house, or we will arrange for a private preview upon request. Call me at 213-880-9910 now. Thanks again for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.